is like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. And with me, as always, is Corey Starr, a.k.a. Coremedies this week. <laughs> I, I was going to pronounce my own name wrong. Uh, I hope I said it right. I was trying to go for um, a parody of Sam Jackson's character's name in the uh, the movie we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, Dolmetis, which I think is how you say that, but I am not great at ancient Sounds Greek right. pronunciation. Um, I will probably butcher the main character's name several times uh, in this discussion, but uh, this is the second episode of small screen uh july 2020 this is our second uh time this year we're doing small screen mainly because of the pandemic there are no um <laughs> yes uh there are no big screens whatsoever <laughs> um but i pick uh for this episode i pick chirac uh, spike lee's film from 2015 it is considered to be an amazon original um spike seems to be going that route a lot of uh auteur directors seem to be going to the um original programming uh of the streaming services because they're giving them bigger budgets like martin scorsese's the irishman um who was able to make a movie that cost an insane amount of money to make robert de niro look younger but still move like an old man um still enjoyed irishman very much so don't take that criticism oh i was about to say more than a joke you know because i haven't um, seen it yet oh Corey, what are you it's 500 hours long it's it's no longer than all of the episodes of Unsolved Mysteries you binge watched. So you know, um, <laughs> but I can like stop those, and if I don't come back for a few days, it's fine. There are three logical stopping points. You can you can make it happen. <laughs> um, but Shyrak, uh, uh, I've been um watching Spike Lee's films. Uh, Spike Lee was the director I I was a fan of, but had not seen a lot of his movies. I have um uh, still have a lot to go, but I've remedied that. In fact. I believe on my letterbox statistics at this point, Spike is one of the uh, most viewed directors that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen uh, a lot of films by many directors. I'm a big fan of uh, filmographies of directors, which you know, cause I've made you suffer through directors filmographies on this podcast. I feel like um, you hate me at those times. I, <laughs> I, well, I don't, I don't get why other people don't love this, the context of it. To me, it, it tells us so much about the films that we're watching. Um, I have come to realize that I am one of few. Well, maybe not few, but there's a there's a whole podcast dedicated to it. Uh, that is my favorite podcast, the Blank Check Podcast, um, with Griffin and David, and that's all they do. And so, like listening to that podcast has made me go into filmographies even more. Um, there are uh, like yeah. So right now on my top watched directors, uh, Steven Spielberg tops the list uh, with 25 films. I've seen 25 Steven Spielberg films, and I'm still missing some big ones on his list, but I've seen. The majority of the big ones. Um, I've seen all of the Cohen films because of this podcast. So I've seen 18 films for the Coens. Dang. Uh, Tim Burton, I've seen 17 of. I'm missing two. I've never watched Big Eyes and I have not watched uh, Dark Shadows. Um, but I've seen all the other Burton films. Uh, and that was because of the Blank Check podcast. They did him uh, right before Dumbo came out. I got Robert Zemeckis with 14. I have uh, several films of his I have not seen. But I, Back to the Future is my favorite trilogy, basically. Um, sorry, Star Wars. But uh, um, the blank check is about to do Zemeckis in a couple of, I think in a month or so. So I will be catching up with the films I've missed of his. 
Then Kevin Smith, no surprise. I've seen every Kevin Smith movie. There's only 13 to see. And then Spike Lee has now tied him for 13. I've seen 13 of his. Oh, and Ron Howard is also on that list. Um, Ron Howard, of those directors, though, is the least auteur. Uh, I would say Zemeckis probably falls in that category, too. He's he's auteur-ish, but not in a great way. Um, Howard is more of a journeyman director. He And proof, in, if you want to watch Solo, he just kind of steps in and does the job. Does a good job a lot of times. But, you know, some of his movies are nondescript. Spike, on the other hand, is clearly an auteur director. Uh, he has a very, very distinctive style and voice. Um, there is no question, uh, especially after Mo Better Blues, um, you will see uh, a series of shots that are um, the camera and the actor are both on a dolly, so it looks like they're floating and moving through the screen. Uh, it's He uses that shot in a lot of his films. It's a very cool effect. Um, he has a few other little uh, traits that he likes to bring in. Um, and Chirac was one that I'd been uh, aware of for a couple of years and I had not made it to. Um, I'm glad to have finally checked that off the list, but we won't get into our review of that just yet. Uh, before we do, Corey and I like to catch up, uh, see what else has been going on, and then um, see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how you doing? I'm so glad it's Friday. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to actually go do fun things tomorrow morning, guys, um, with my mask on Ooh. the whole time. Uh, what are you doing? We're going to... So our main, like, capital city market downtown has been closed throughout the pandemic, understandably. But uh, they have, like, a mini sister market that's in a nearby, like, neighboring town. We're going to go to that. Um, I've been wanting to try this place, Meriwether Cider. Um, not going there because I don't want the COVID, but they sell it at the market. You can buy like bottles or like cans. So I think I'm going to pick some of that up for Bill and I, we both really enjoy ciders. Um, and is just, it hard cider or just, yeah, hard cider. Good. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have hard cider. Yes. Um, and then we're going to go to my favorite plant shop and I'm going to buy some plants because that always makes me feel better. All with my mask on guys. Yes, masking is important. Um, I, uh, I honestly like today, yesterday, and all my days are starting to blur together. Yeah. Um, I found out that my my state uh, has condemned my profession and um, has no no regard to our safety. So that was fun. Um, are they sending y'all back? Oh, as of right now, our state. And uh, to be fair, uh, the federal government has also mandated. Um, there's a lot of you. little loopholes. Well, yeah, because, you know, Pence came out and said it and Trump tweeted it in all caps uh, to reopen schools. Um, we have a plan that uh, allows for at least an attempt at social distancing on campus and keeping oh. the, like, uh, but I we don't know if the state's going to approve our plan because we do have alternating weeks. So like we would only see about half of our student population every other week, like one week. If Let's say you were one of my students. I might see you uh, week one. And then week two, you would be online only. And then you'd be back week three and so on and so forth. So we're rotating because we have 1,500 kids uh, roundabout. And if they're all there, there is no way um, to follow the CDC guidelines, which thank goodness the CDC did not cowtail to the uh, the pressure they were under to change the guidelines. But um, a school bus that normally holds around 60 to 70 kids, I think, uh, we can safely transport, I think, 13 are with the kidding? social distancing guidelines? No, uh, because if they're supposed to be six feet apart, it is impossible to have more than that on the bus. Um, 
Oh, I'm just like, I'm picturing a school bus. It's been a while, but it'd probably be like every other seat. Yeah, and then every other side, because you have to be yeah. diagonally across. Like zigzag. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so it would be, uh, and that's, you know, how does the bus maintain that? Like, how does the bus driver while they're driving make sure that kids are staying apart? Um, and that's a big factor that a lot of people are not taking into consideration. Kids have to buy into following the social distancing issue as well. Um, and, of course, uh, there's all those things. I'm not going to get into all of that, but um, that was a, a, a kind of a spiral type of moment. I was actually in the Dollar Tree um with the mask on uh my wife needed to get something i I don't i think it was tuesday when that happened and um i'd literally been on a like a conference call with my i'm I'm part of a like a 10 person team that's been working through the plan and trying to make sure things are okay and we we'd spent so many hours working on the plan um i think it was monday and uh i i was on like a conference call for like two hours like working on this plan we were all really excited like yes we've got this knocked down and then I'm standing in Dollar Tree at like six o'clock and I get the notification on my phone that uh, Trump and or Pence and The Voice had gone on and said, everybody does this. And I'm just like, all right, well, everything I just did today has been negated. And um, luckily, uh, my, my boss is is you know more concerned with everyone's safety than just adhering to what seems to be uh, non-rational guidelines. So we're still we're still pushing our plan to the state first and hoping that they will uh, approve it. Um, but yeah, that was kind of this started a, a, a hazy couple of days this week. Um, then I was on a three hour zoom call, which I want to point, if you haven't had to do like zoom conference calls and whatnot, zoom, zoom fatigue is real. Like people think that, you know, Oh, you're at home. So it's not like work. It is, it is, I think harder to do a zoom call because like, you know, people are just, you're, they're always going to see you, right? Like they can see what I'm doing. So I have to be constantly aware of like what I'm doing and be like, you don't, you know, don't roll your eyes. Cause you know, they'll <laughs> see it. Um, and, uh, and I am, if you, if you know me in person, you know, that I'm a very expressive person. I, I, I am reactive. Uh, p- people, I have, I have a few friends at work, um, who they purposely will watch me during like a controversial <laughs> conversation. Cause they know, that I will reveal my, my true feelings, uh, quite quickly. It's um, all there. <laughs> so like on a zoom call, it's a lot of pressure. Cause it's like, I don't know who's actually watching me at that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've gotten, I've gotten random texts throughout the, the couple of months we've been on the zoom calls where like, they'll be like, Oh, you didn't like that. And I'm like, shut up. Like, I don't mean <laughs> to do it. Like it just happened. Um, but so I had like a three hour zoom call and it was, it was like, it was, long but it was effective we got a lot done but it was just like we were all like one of my friends was like holding his head just like you could just tell how done he was i'm like dude i'm like i'm trying to wrap this up for everybody like i kind of took over it was just like okay guys we gotta we've been on this for three hours we need to finalize this thing and then we can leave like and everyone like okay let's do it let's do it we knocked it out but um so with that like i've watched a lot of gilmore girls this week to like so much talking it is. It's a lot of talking Ugh. and listening. It's a lot of talking and listening, and it's like important stuff, which makes it even worse because you know you can't not listen. Like I double negative on purpose there, um, because there's like this is valuable. This isn't just like you know check the boxes kind of a meeting. This is like no no important decisions about the future of our school are being made right now. Um, we have to really stand and listen to it. But and then I had senior portraits this week um, on campus. 
Uh, so I had to go and let like photographers in like real early in the morning and I get up about six thirty every morning anyways. Ugh. Um, well, I, I like to run right now and it's, it's too hot to run if I wait too long. So I need to get up so I can at least beat the, the heat a little bit. Uh, it's still insanely hot even in the morning now, but, um, I totally blanked that I had to go open up the school for the photographers on Wednesday. So I'm like sitting in my chair you know, getting ready to go run I'm, or at Wednesday's regular workout, but I'm like, still, I'm getting, I, I have a routine in the morning. I wake up, I drink an energy drink. Um, when that's done, I go right to my workout and then I take a shower, right? That's like my morning routine. So I'm like halfway through my energy drink and I get a text from, uh, the, the head guy, like, Hey, no one's at the school. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just sitting here too. Like, it's not like I was asleep. I'm like, I'm totally ready to start working out almost. And I have to like hop in my car and drive out there. So I was, 30 minutes late. I felt really bad. Um, and it w- I should have been on time. Like it was, it would have been easy to be on time. Um, and then I had to do it yesterday and, uh, today as well. Uh, today was the last day, but, um, I felt really bad for the photographers though. Cause our air conditioning at the school is really old mm-hmm. and they're finally replacing it. And it's this big, like gigantic unit. I mean, it's like the size of a trailer. Like it's a huge air conditioning. Holy unit. moly. Right. And apparently it takes days to put together. So, there was no AC for the last three days in our school. And I'm just like, oh, man, these poor photographers. Like, you know, uh, I can't imagine how bad it got in the daytime. But, um, but yeah, so uh, I've watched a lot of movies. Uh, Gilmore Girls has been my kind of, like, um, escapism this week. It's because it's, it's mostly funny. It is There's some melodrama at times, but it's mostly more of a comedy. And there's a lot of pop culture references that I always get into. Um so I've been I know, like John Hamm. I sent you a picture of young John Hamm making a cameo or uh, early in the series, um, but I finally got to season three like, on Gilmore Girls. Wasn't so. gonna know who it was, John. He looks so. De- I I had to like freeze frame. I'm like, is that John Hamm? And sure enough, it was John Hamm. But it was baby John John Hamm. But mm-hmm. yes, yes. Uh, there's there's been a lot of little cameos like that with like because um, it's early two thousands where I'm at right now in the series. So. Uh, but I think that's a good segue into what we've been watching. So uh, I'm going to go first since I already shouted out the Gilmore Girls. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. So we last recorded on uh, July 2nd, and today we're recording on July 10th. And I've watched quite a few movies. I did skip one day. Um, I skipped yesterday. I was uh, I was just feeling like nothing nothing felt right yesterday. Um, so I, I had one of those kind of days. Um so, but uh, last Friday I watched Hamilton, like most of the world, because it came out on Disney Plus. Uh, have you watched it yet? Uh, I didn't, I know you're not a musical fan, Corey. I'm aware. Really not. However, you really, really, really should watch Hamilton. It is amazing. Plus, David Diggs. Can David I just Diggs. put it on mute and watch the subtitles? No, because the music is amazing, and you should actually. <laughs> I've heard a few people say they should sub. What do you mean you don't like it? Have you heard it? <laughs> I don't, I don't like musicals. But it's not a traditional musical. That's one of the things that's so appealing about it. It's a hip-hop musical. It's all uh, rap music. I don't know. I'm you not sold, guys. You should at least listen to uh, one of the songs because the soundtrack's amazing, too. Um, all right. So I watched Hamilton. I loved it. It's no surprise. It's excellent. Um, Ghost is the movie that uh, Matt and I covered for the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, uh, which um, dropped on Thursday. Uh, so you can hear our review for that. Um, it's a small independent film that is now on Amazon Prime. So check out oh. Ghost uh, if you'd like to. Um, I got a screener for a movie I've been wanting to see for a while called We Are Little Zombies. Um, it is 
it's so good. Uh, it has a lot of video game influence. It reminds, um, in that way, it reminds me of Scott Pilgrim to a bit. Uh, but it is uh, a director's first feature film, and man, it's so good. It's uh, touching. It's just it's excellent. Um, I think that should be on VOD now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then uh, one that I know came on VOD today is called Days of the Whale. It's a Colombian film, also a first feature film uh, by its director. Oh, man, I vibe with this movie a lot. Um, it's very indie. You know, it's a character movie, two characters, uh, a lot of, you know, very guerrilla filmmaking type cinematography, although gorgeous cinematography at the same time. Like, But the lighting a lot of times is natural lighting. Whatever is available is what they're using. Um, it feels very – it has – a doc vibe but it is definitely not a documentary but it is man who just such a cool movie um i really really got into that i owe a big tuna for um recommending that i take that screener uh, both of those i saw on screeners but they are both out on vod now um then i watched chirac for this uh i don't remember which year it must have been this year sean uh has a big tuna sean um he has beaten me uh the, uh, pretty much every year with the oscar pool um sean is really good at the oscar game and uh, I had to watch um, a movie called Synonyms, which is his favorite film. Um, I think I might have mentioned Synonyms in our last episode uh, because it is from the same original writer of the Israeli film, The Kindergarten Teacher. We watched the American oh. remake of, um, which I incorrectly said Iranian multiple times. It was Israeli. My bad. I, I did not check. I, I followed up since then. Um, Synonyms is the uh, most recent film from the writer-director of the original Kindergarten Teacher. Um, and Sean, uh, loved it. It is a very, uh, mixed reviewed film. Um, there are people who love it and there are people who can't stand it. I am leaning towards the love. Um, it's weird. And there is a lot of, uh, a lot of penis in the movie, like okay. so much penis. Um, <laughs> but, uh, which is not a reason to like or dislike. It's just a heads up. If you're, if you are, uh, averse to seeing penis, this movie will freak you out because there is penis pretty much in the first five minutes but um impressive one mind you but uh <laughs> i'm just not saying uh, i was this like episode. <laughs> um, i you know you got it's there you got to comment on it um but uh it's a very interesting movie if nothing else but it, um, a lot of criticism and commentary about the uh israeli way of life to a degree but it, it is set in france actually but that's it's oh. that's a major part of the plot it's um the more I think on it, it's definitely not a film that's, uh, it, I don't think it's take it right away and understand everything. You got to really think on it and um, it. reflect back on it, but it's very, very cool. And then uh, today, and I did this in preparation of next week's uh, BAMP episode, we are going to be covering the new Netflix original film, The Old Guard, which is the new Charlize Theron film uh, that is on, uh, as I said, Netflix original. Um, spoiler for BAMP. I freaking love this movie. Uh, it is super violent. So know that going in, it is an action movie and it is um, up there with like a John Wick or uh, Atomic Blonde, uh, Charlize Theron performance even. Um, but there's like a fantasy element to it. And that's what really brought me in. Um, but also not only is Charlize Theron amazing as she always is. I, I, I think she's one of the most underrated and best working actresses today. Underrated is probably unfair because she has won an Oscar and whatnot, but I just feel like we don't talk about her enough. That's what she, I was going to say. Yeah. It's exa exactly that. But this also brings Kiki Lane, who, if you saw If Beale Street Could Talk, uh, the most recent Barry Jenkins film, um, she is the star of that. She was also in uh, Captive State, 
which I did not see, but it looked interesting. But then I heard bad reviews, so I never made it to it. And then Native Son is a film that I wanted to watch, but I've not seen yet. But uh, she's amazing. And if Bill Street could talk, and she's really, really good in this as well. And the two of them have some really great chemistry. Um, and then you get a few other people uh, who are, are great. But, man, I, I can't – it's not a movie for everybody because, again, it's, it's, it's super violent. So, like, if you're not into, like, violent action films, it's going to be kind of appalling probably. Um, but if you're into, like, action films in the first place, but you're also into, like, a little bit of fantasy, it's awesome. It is set, like, modern day, and it is uh, – it's very much, like, military-type action but the underlying explanation for why they're so awesome at what they do is fantasy uh, embedded. And it's, it's, I, I was all about that. Um, I thought it was super awesome. Um, yeah, I, I all about this movie. I actually want to rewatch it. I had such a fun time watching it today. Um, so yeah, it just came out today on Netflix too. So check it out. Uh, if you're, if you're into that, um, and we'll, uh, again, if you haven't already um, and you like what I'm doing here, check out the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, we've gone to weekly, and uh, Matt and I review one movie a week, and then we have a few other um, segments that we, we talk about pop culture news, what we've been consuming uh, media-wise, not just movies, but like video games and other uh, stuff like that. And then we um, we discuss how we are saying Bloody Awesome because it's it's hard work to say uh, so awesome, Corey. <laughs> um, what have you been watching? Okay, um, so I watched all six episodes of the new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Oh, there's only six. I was wondering how many there were. Yeah, there are only six. I didn't know that. I just kept watching and watching and watching. And then the next day I went back to watch an episode. I figured there was like eight or ten or something. And it was the last episode and I was really sad. So... This is important, listeners. If you don't know this, Corey <laughs> recently rewatched all of the old Unsolved Mysteries, right? But like you've seen it's. I mean, I, I I've watched it so many times in my life, though that I. But yeah, I just finished it again. I've so in other words, the reason I'm prefacing that is you're a big fan of the series, so huge. I want to hear wh- what your thoughts are on the new Netflix version because it is different. They don't have the uh, a narrator now, right? Yeah, which. Um, they, a host, um, I, I, okay, so I love that they changed the, uh, theme, but still kept it, you know, you know, pretty close to the original, and that there's, like, a little image, you know, we get a little Robert Stack at the end, I thought that was good, um, I was worried going into this because I didn't know before I started watching that there was no narrator, um, you know, uh, and I just... There are some shows that the host is the show, and Unsolved Mysteries is one of those to me. I also sure. think, like, Forensic Files, I can name a few other, too. But I, you know, they tried to do that on Lifetime a while ago, and it was just horrible. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think that the first episode is really rough, and I was really thinking that it... Uh, was suffering because there wasn't a host and also these like the episodes are just one story where like the original series Mm -hmm. it's a lot of different stories so it you know doesn't get boring but i never liked the like ufo segments i i've seen a ufo and i still didn't like the ufo segments i just don't i don't know they just didn't come across to me very well but there is a whole episode in the new one that was very intriguing, had my interest the whole time. I just thought it was great. So I 
liked all the stories, but if you can get past episode one, because I feel like it's just normal everyday people that are speaking, but like me, some people aren't the best at that, and they get a lot of screen time, maybe, that they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did, um, it suffered a little. I mean, you could skip it if you wanted to, right? Because it is, like, each episode stands on its own. Yeah, definitely. But I, but that could just be my opinion. Other people could probably true, really true. like it. And it's still an intriguing story. Um, well, then I would say, like, it would be, uh, your recommendation would be start with one, but if you're feeling a little bored, go ahead and skip to the second episode because maybe they're in, on your wavelength. But if it's clicking for them, hey, then you're going to probably enjoy the whole series. Yeah, and I would say I always try to give an ep- a show three episodes because I don't feel like it's a fair assessment without that. Uh, so even if you don't like the first one, go to the second one anyway and get, keep on. Um, but I really, really liked it. Um, I saw a headline today that the FBI reopened a case from the new series. Um, and I just yeah, think that... Yeah, apparently it... a lot. Um, I've, I've been seeing that all week, that uh, there's been just like, tons and tons of like uh, phone calls and things in relation to the stories from, um, from the Unsolved Mysteries. So pretty it's... interesting. Amazing, because if you're one of those families or someone who cares about someone who has an episode on there and you're at a loss, the police, everyone that's involved with this case is at a loss. Like we've seen how many of the uh, cases in the old series got solved because of the community calling in. Um, So I think that that's amazing. I I think that's amazing. Um, I also watched... Why does Netflix do this to us where they like give us these little tiny six episode series? I also watched their original show, Black Summer, which is a zombie apocalypse movie uh, show. I mean, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, But also, have you noticed that? Well, maybe it's just a series I've been watching lately. They have some episodes that are like 25 minutes and then some are like 49 minutes. Yeah, they don't they don't have a set time because they are um, they don't have blocks like a traditional television schedule. Yeah, it's still a little disappointing. Um, I I like it because I think sometimes uh, shows have suffered because they're filling a block. They're forced. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do feel, though, Netflix for a while was forcing their series to be like a set number of episodes and like the Marvel TV series mm. where often you would find at least one or two filler episodes. Like it, you can find those um, to be fair. Sometimes those are the best episodes. Like if you look at the X-Files, the monster of the week episodes were like the non main story were kind of side quest episodes. And a lot of those were like the most fun. Um, Supernatural does that as well. Mm. Where like you have like, let's say there's a 22 episode season. Um, of those 22 episodes, there's probably 14 or 15 that are, like, heavy, hardcore, big story arc, right? And then within those, there's, there's like, the one week where it's just, like, a bottle episode where they're just, like, all flashbacks. Or it's the um, uh, the episode where it's just, like, a, something stops the main quest and we're no longer going on. And a lot of those are really fun because, uh, depending on what the main quest... Like, X-Files, the main quest is the aliens, right? Like, so the the random one-off episodes where it's just like a monster has nothing to do with the conspiracy of alien cover-up um those are a lot of times a lot of fun because they break away from all the well the conspiracy theory stuff um of course if you really like the conspiracy theory stuff but point being um that that netflix uh yeah sorry i went on a whole tangent um so the show did you like it (laughs) (laughs) i did they're gonna have a another there's gonna be another season coming who knows when but um, I mean, it's not like the best, and 
it's not I don't think that it's doing anything that any other show hasn't done before, but it was still entertaining. Um I rewatched Clueless. Because why oh, not? It's always fun. I just rewatched yeah. that not long ago with Taylor. Uh it was great. It, I couldn't it's been such a long time since we've watched it and Bill watched it and sometimes he like doesn't like my teeny movies as he calls them i think that's what he calls them but i've also made him re-watch can't hardly wait recently it just happens sometimes um mm-hmm. but he was laughing um also i do want to say this that paul rudd does age guys he does age it's just very fairly. slowly yeah yeah it's 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 <laughs> fairly noticeable but yeah um you warned me that it was horrible <laughs> But it was everywhere, and I've been wanting to watch it, and I really want to go to the real place. So I watched Winchester, and it was so bad. Yeah, it's so bad. (laughs) So bad. I liked some of the things, the elements in the house um, that they kept the same, you know? I found that interesting. But I didn't think that they needed to embellish it. I don't think that they needed to really fictionalize it that much, because it's such a fascinating story anyways. Um, yeah, I'm also not a fan of Jason Clark, and I don't. He's not a good actor. He keeps getting cast in everything. <laughs> I'm just like, stop casting him. Yeah, like, I'm like, he's so terrible. Bill's like, well, it sounds fine because he was playing a computer game in the living room, and I was like, but are you watching this? Because, <laughs> oh, and also the girl who played her niece was not a strong. It's fine. Um, I rewatched A Ghost Story because apparently I wanted to cry for however long that movie is. Um, I also watched a nice, like, 25 minutes uh, interview with him. I can't remember if it was with Variety or something. When you say Uh, him, do you mean Casey Affleck or David Lowry? David Lowry, sorry. Ah. Um, And I had forgotten I love that movie. Mm. Haters be damned. But, I I don't understand it. I also love that movie, and I, it it blows my mind. I can understand if your complaint is that it's it's quiet or slow. I I don't even understand that. I, but I I I have an attention issue for sure, and some movies just don't click. That movie immediately pulled me in. I was so in. Um, and again, at at the press screening that I saw, the critic to my right fell asleep. And I've oh, been to a, I haven't, I haven't been to a lot of press screenings, but I've been to enough to know that's not a normal occurrence. Um, so I was like, I'm sitting there like completely captivated and I look to my right and I see the dude sleeping and I'm just like, ah, okay. Um, so it's a movie that I've advocated as much as I possibly can. I love it. So, um, and again, I keep listening to that song. Uh, I love the song Overwhelmed. Do you remember all of the great marketing that came out for that movie? Like the a ghost store that they opened in New York. It was only open for a few days, but um, I didn't know the you had to answer. Shots. Yeah, but you got a sheet at oh. the end. But I didn't know you had to answer like a really personal question to do that. Um, but I went to the website because I feel like they had the best website of a movie ever. And oh. I just love it. You can still go. The website's still up. You obviously can't buy one of the sheets anymore, but um, it's just, it's just beautiful. Um, and then I just started watching Juan Origins. Oh, Netflix is killing me, y'all. I think this one has eight episodes. Um, it, I so I like the movie, and I also like The Grudge. Um, and I think I've seen The Grudge too, but 
it's good. I'm only on the second episode, but beware. There's some, like, really, like, violent or hard-to-watch stuff in it. It does warn you mm-hmm. how they do up in the right-hand corner or wherever, but just so it's you're aware. It's a prequel, too, right? Um, that's what it seems to be. I... Only I might have read the synopsis, but I'm like, oh, I like the I like Juan, I like the Grudge, <laughs> and I like started playing it because I have no life. Did you see the remake of the Grudge this year? Um, I don't think so. The John Cho, um, and other woman whose name I'm not remembering right now, but was it good? January? No, it's awful. It's horrible. Um, real, real bad. But one of the worst movies I've seen this year. Not that there's that many this year. I think I've only seen forty something oh, from this year. I remember. No, yeah, it's real bad. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't see that. Yep, and I wanted it to be good because I'm a big John Cho fan. But uh, yep, nope, not good. Uh, not as bad as Winchester, um, but not good. Uh, There's that. Which is why when I saw that they were doing a prequel TV series, I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, what? Who's asking for this? Like, no one wanted to see the prequel that was mostly panned. I think it had like a half star, like." Oh, it is it is listed as my worst movie of the year on my uh my list that I I have like a running list so that at the end of the year when we usually do our like review of the year, I already have it kind of organized. Right oh, now nice. it is the bottom of the list. Uh only Bloodshot is above it. Um which is <laughs> I keep good. reading like all the people that are so disappointed that that was the last movie that they saw in theaters. And guys, I'm sorry. Mine aren't that, that was much better. I saw in theaters. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, that happened to me. Um, so, uh, yeah, just The Grudge from 2020 has a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, it looks like, hmm. um, which is a little high, to be honest. I, I would have thought it was lower. Um, and Sam Raimi is attached to it as a producer, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, Stop it. Producer credits don't always mean anything. You know? Yeah. Oh, Andrea Riceboro, who was in Mandy. She's Mandy in Mandy. Um, yeah, I didn't oh. like Mandy. Um, which I mostly hear that people do like that. Uh, it's very psychedelic. I don't think you would, to be honest. I think you would be on the same page as myself, Matt, and I think I'm pretty sure Big Tuna also hated Mandy, which is one of the first times that, uh, Matt, Sean, and I all agreed on a horror film like that. Like, hmm. it's, um, because Matt's, Matt's a big horror guy. Um, I, I like horror. I just appear to have a very specific, it, uh, what I want from horror is not what a lot of other, like, big-time horror fans want, because, like, I, I, you and I have agreed on a lot of those uh, on this podcast. Um, a lot of those big horror films that you and I had not seen previously that we have now seen. And we're like, what do people see in this movie? That's how I felt with Mandy too. I was just like, um, no, nope. Um, I don't know. I, I can see why some people might like it. I found it to be a little too ridiculous. I Nick Cage, man. I, I know people like to watch him and laugh, but I just, I'm just like, no, not for me. Um, <laughs> I, it, that's yeah anything else you've been watching you no. watched a lot of netflix series this week um i did did you guys see that the chilling adventures of sabrina is ending i did apparently it's gonna live on as a comic book though well i mean also they had those musical numbers in season three that i'm <laughs> i can't <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be season four will be the final yeah at least you're getting another season before it ends though. word Hopefully it'll that, come out sometime this year. That's what like it sucks because Amazon canceled the Tick after season two, and like oh, they left it, they left it where there's clearly hanging. more to go. Oh, and no. I was so bummed out because I was like, no, I I need to I need closure. Um, closure. 
like let us have one more it's not like it's costing you money like to, to do it i mean now who knows if it would have even happened with the uh the pandemic preventing recording and stuff but um well that's what we've been watching uh check out all those things um let's get to uh a commercial or an advertisement a sponsor if you will and we will be back with our full review of Chirac from 2015. So let's get into the details of Chirac. Um, so as I said, 2015, directed by Spike Lee, uh, stars um, Nick Cannon, Tyone Paris, Wesley Snipes, uh, which I think was one of the earlier Wesley Snipes return films after he was um, in jail for tax evasion, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Angela Bassett's in this movie. Sam Jackson, who's in a lot of Spike Lee films. Um, not always in a major role. He's an important role here. Um, the big surprise cast to me was John Cusack, uh, rocking the eyeliner a little hard, in my opinion. Um, we have Jennifer Hudson, uh, David Patrick Kelly as a small part, Dave Chappelle, a really small part, but I love him when he's there. Uh, Harry Lennox. Um, there's a lot of characters because this is a play. And so certain characters come and go throughout the course of the film. Um, the, uh, main character though is Lestrada. Uh, played by Tiana, Tiana Paris. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and uh, Chirac, obviously, is the titular character, but not exactly, but exactly. His, he is named Chirac. Uh, Nick Cannon is the um, rapper. This is a, a modern-day adaptation of the ancient Greek play Lestrada by uh, Aristophanes, set against the backdrop of gang violence in Chicago, Illinois. And now... Um, Context, Corey, is important, right? Okay. How many Spike Lee films do you think you have seen? Do you do you have any idea? Like, uh, I don't feel like many at all. <laughs> I so um before a few weeks ago, I'd only seen uh, I think four. Um, I'm up to thirteen, as I said a little bit ago. So I've seen a lot of his work. Um, I had previously uh he got game. I think was the first Spike Lee film I ever saw. Um, which is Denzel Washington and importantly uh, Ray Lewis, a actual NBA player, uh, playing a college prospect who's going to be going to the NBA. I was a big basketball fan when that movie came out. That's the only reason I went and saw it. I didn't realize it was Spike Lee. I wasn't like super aware of Denzel Washington. Like I knew he was an actor, but like I hadn't seen a lot of his stuff at the time. Um, I then saw Malcolm X, uh, which uh, Spike Lee had done before he got game, but I saw it after I saw he got game. Um, loved Malcolm X as a kid. I was so blown away by that movie. Um, and uh, I, a couple years ago, I watched Do the Right Thing for the first time, which is a quintessential film to view if you're into, like, if you want to be more versed in the film world, that is an important viewing. Um, and I think that was, oh, and I saw Black Klansman last year. Um, so those were the, the Spike Lee films I'd seen before. Oh, and Jungle Fever. I saw I don't know why. As a kid, I saw Jungle Fever. I don't know where how I came into that movie or why I ended up watching that one. Um, but uh, I watched The Five Bloods, uh, which is his Netflix originally just had. I watched Inside Man, um, uh, Mo Better Blues, Crooklyn, Clockers, all these quintessential films. And I'm, I'm now very, very versed in Spike Lee. And the one thing, um, there, well, I guess two, uh, The Five Bloods, is not set in New York because it is in Vietnam. The uh, Black Klansman, I don't, I think it's set in Mississippi or Missouri. I can't remember for sure, but it is in a Southern state. But uh, Spike is a New York native. Um, if, if you, um, 
as a kid, I was familiar with Spike Lee, not as a director, but as a fan of the Knicks. Um, I was a big basketball fan, as I said. Um, and Spike Lee is a huge New York Knicks fan. Like he is traditionally sideline at most games. Um, and so as a kid, I was aware of him as a big fan and I knew he was a famous person, but I didn't know why, you know, I just like, Hey, there's that guy who's always at the Knicks games. Um, and, uh, a lot of his films are set in New York, especially a lot of his earlier films, because that's his hometown. That's where he's from. And I mean, there are a lot of movies are set in New York because it's a big city. It's an iconic city. Um, even if they're not actually filmed in New York, a lot of movies take place in New York. Um, so I was a little surprised with Chirac being set in Chicago. Um, be, but it's explicitly about uh, modern day, well, 2015 Chicago, uh, which apparently had gained this nickname of Chirac um, because supposedly based on the gun violence, um, that which is the movie opens with statistics um, that uh, there are more deaths to guns in, in Chicago than in Iraq. And that's, of course, at a time when Iraq was still at war. Um, so it was a kind of jarring statistic and um, sets the tone right away what this movie is going to be. And I was not familiar with the Greek play, and I got the vibe you also had not read the Greek play, right? Right. So I, I read a few in high school. Like I, I, We read Oedipus. Um, we read uh, The Odyssey. Um, we read part of the Iliad. Uh and I know those are not necessarily plays, um, but uh, I feel like I might have read one more Greek play, but we never read uh, La Strada, which knowing my high school, I know why um, my high school tried to avoid any kind of sexuality in any literature that we read. And this uh, a big part of the play and this movie is a sex strike where the the women in the community realize that if they withhold sex from the men, that maybe they can get peace, that they can get the men to put down their arms. Um, that is true in both uh, the play and the, the movie. And so um, I'm assuming that's most likely why my school did not have us read this play. And that's a shame uh, because apparently it's a very common play to be read in high school. So, um, but I knew nothing about it going into this. Uh, I, I knew it was based on the play, but I didn't know anything about the play. I didn't look it up until after I watched the movie. Um, so I, there were several things, uh, several elements that I was familiar with, with the old school play styles. Samuel Jackson's character is the, uh, the narrator, kind of the voice who talks to the audience. Um, there's another term for it that I, I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. Um, and then there is a choir type element, um, at the beginning of the movie where we were getting lyrics to the music that's playing. Um, a lot of times they would have a choir or chorus that would uh, kind of set the stage, give you some context to the story that we're about to get into. And I felt like the song was about Chicago and it was uh, very much informing us about the world of Chicago. Now, um, I will point out that Spike Lee has gotten some criticism from the hip hop and, uh, world in Chicago during this time that he was uh, misrepresenting uh, the people of Chicago. Um, and, I don't know if that's maybe because he's a New Yorker, they feel like he's an outsider, um, or if, if he really was misrepresenting things. It's uh, I think they even mentioned in one of the, the comments that the, the slang his characters use is not that of the slang that would be used by the um, gangs and or hip-hop scene in Chicago. Um, I, I'm not familiar with the Chicago hip-hop scene. I, I am actually uh, pretty versed in hip-hop right now. I... I I go through phases and currently I'm, I'm very much into rap and hip hop. Um, but it seems a lot of my, um, a lot of the rap I'm leaning towards is from Oakland, um, or Atlanta, 
and New York. I think those are like the three big areas where the rappers that I'm currently actively listening to are coming from. Um, and uh, Oakland being heavy because of David Diggs. I'm I'm big, uh, you know, fan of his. So I, I haven't, to my knowledge, really listened to any Chicago rap. So I don't know. Uh, I, I can't back up those claims um, or back up Spike Lee. Uh, I, I know very little about the scene. But um, as a film, I found it to be uh, very captivating. Um, I thought the performances were really good. It's very heightened and it feels like a play. Um, it, it's not meant to be real in any way, uh, which the I think the hardest performance for me to buy, there were two. Um, I had a little hard time with John Cusack. Uh, uh, as, yeah. Um, I, I don't. I like Cusack. I'm a big Cusack fan, but I don't know. Um, initially, he kind of won me over as the the movie went forward. Um, but Jennifer Hudson, uh, the initial scene where we find out that her, um, she, so the synopsis, depending on where you read the synopsis, one of the synopsis points out that like what triggers. Uh, the sex strike in the movie is a stray bullet kills a kid, um, a common occurrence in gang violence. Like you've seen that story and, and going back, um, I think boys in the hood has a scene where a kid is killed. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe don't be a menace. I can't remember for sure. It's been a long time since I've seen both of those, but, um, one of those has that drive by scene where a kid gets killed. Um, it's a, it's a common horror, horrific tale. This triggers, um, the, the, main plot is the inciting incident um ma- mostly and uh jennifer hudson plays the mother of the, the kid i think patty was the kid's name mm-hmm. and I, man at first i i didn't recognize her partly because she wasn't in cat makeup because she's in cats she's the best part of cats <laughs> um I, uh, but so like i initially was like they couldn't have got like a better performance because i, I kind of felt like her initial performance felt silly like even though the movie's a satire and there's a lot of silly her performance felt like it shouldn't be and initially i was like oh, this isn't this isn't the best um but again she kind of won me over as the movie went on and i once i found the the tone of the film um where i felt like i was on the same wavelength i i was i was pretty much in um i don't think it's i i again i don't have enough context uh to have criticism about his his portrayal of the people of the city or the situation of the city but for the film itself i found it to be very engaging um uh, you know mostly uh entertaining um wesley snipes was doing something the voice snipes picked i thought was a little weird like (laughs) he also seemed a little too old for that role like to me i was like like everyone else is like in their twenties, and Snipes is like in his fifties, I think. Like he's got to be because I've been watching him since I was like a little. He doesn't kid. look like it, guys. But no, but he doesn't look like them either, right? Like no. he doesn't look like a little. Like he doesn't look like a gangbanger at all. He looks like he would be like the head of like a mob more than he yeah. would be like wearing a, a, a jeweled eye patch and having that weird kind of like sniveling like laugh. I don't know. I think that was the worst casting in the movie, not because he's bad. I just don't think it. It doesn't feel like the same. Like I, I don't buy him and Nick Cannon feuding as peers. Like if he was like the old guard and, and Nick Cannon was like the new guard coming in trying to take over, I could work with that. But it felt like they were equals and like they were just battling over territory, you know. And I'm like, mm-mm, I don't, mm-mm, no, Snipes does not look like that. He doesn't act like that. Uh, I, I really think they could have got someone younger in that role. Um, that would have just made more sense. I again, I like. I'm actually a 
I, I'm not a fan necessarily of him as a person, but as a as an actor, I generally like Wesley Snipes. Uh, White Man Can't Jump is still one of my favorite comedies like all time. I love that movie, and um, I I think Blade is one of the best pre Marvel, like Marvel, you know, as a studio. I think is one of the best uh, comic book movies um, that still holds up. Mostly, there's some bad stuff, but overall, I enjoy Blade. Um, I don't like Blade too much. Uh, a lot of people prefer Blade Two because of the oh. Del Toro effect, and um, Blade Trinity's a, a atrocity. But Blade holds up um, mostly. Uh, so that was kind of my take. I I liked it. Um, I thought the satire was there. Again, I I don't know enough about the actual issues in Chicago, so I, if it is misportrayed then this is my introduction to that subject and I don't know enough to criticize Spike for it. Um, but I did see that, you know, other people have. And so um, it has a 77 meta score, which I didn't mention, but it has a 5.7 IMDb user score. But I think that's partly the artistic side of this because this is a, a satire and an adaptation of an ancient play. If people don't get what he's doing, this movie's going to seem really, really, really weird. And, uh, that could be problematic and maybe why it's got a lower IMDb score and a pretty high meta score. A 77 is a very, very good score. Um, I'm going to check the right tomato score while we listen to what Corey uh, thought of Chirac. Uh, um, I felt like you were punishing me with this pick. I felt like you knew what we were getting into. <laughs> um, I didn't to be fair, but uh, I, I wouldn't have thought <laughs> I you just learned this. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Um, there eighty-two percent are... Rotten Tomatoes. Just saying. Um, I'm but trying to. Sorry, not to interrupt you again, but fifty percent audience score. So a lot of people, uh, the general public, mostly. Didn't I like read. It. I read a couple of reviews. I read one from New York Times, and then I read one from Ebert's site. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just like, I don't know. Sometimes when I read professional reviews, I feel like, I don't know how to say this. Are they trying to have a good relationship with a director? Are they, I don't know. Cause you, I mean, I, I think, I think it depends on the critic. Um, I think some. And I'm not so, just talking about for this movie. I've, I've read it for other movies too before. And I'm just sure. like. What, what did you watch? Because I don't think that we watched the same movie, but... Um... But I, I, again, think it depends on the critic. And I do want to and... just sidebar for a second. Um, I, so the, movies like this are not designed to be liked by everybody. Yeah. Because they are an artist-specific vision. Um, it is, like, if you were thinking of... Uh, well, okay, abstract art for me. Like Jackson Pollock, right? I look at the canvas, I see paint splatter, and I think it's, I can't believe people pay what they pay for those paintings. Um, having very little knowledge of him as a painter, or as an, I know who he is, I'm, I have not seen the movie Pollock to get any kind of biopic information on him. But to me, it's just paint splatter. But there are like, uh, what's the guy for that paints? Um, oh my god, I would always know his name and now I can't, Andy Warhol. Right, more he he paints paintings that most people like. That, that is the right guy, right? I love Andy Warhol. You mean like the Campbell's soup can? Yes, and they're Monroe. much more pop art. Yes, that's the key word there, right? Pop art. Um, Ron Howard, uh, Michael Bay, 
they're making movies that the general public are just going to be able to digest and they are uh you're you know what you're going to get right it's the mcdonald's cheeseburger of movies chirac is a crafted weird cuisine that might uh work really really well for some if your palate is refined um or it might make you throw up instantly you know and that's true of <laughs> all auteurs um an auteur filmmaker is not attempting to please the masses they are telling their story through the art of film and so uh I, critics i think have tuned into that a little more and especially like you will find um, there are some auteur filmmakers who do not click with me. Like I have yet to sit through a Terrence Malick film um, who is no question an auteur, but he has a very specific style. And the one that I've tried to get into uh, thinking it was the most accessible for me, I am I, I made it 10 minutes and I was like, nope, can't do this. And so I still have yet to watch a Terrence Malick film who is a pretty you know prolific uh, auteur. He has so many Criterion mm-hmm. edition. Criterion yes, again, because movies. he's an appreciated auteur. And I'm not criticizing his ability. Like, I'm not sitting here going, Terrence Malick is a horrible director. I I don't think his style will fit with my sensibility. Spike Lee completely clicks with me. Um, Spike, Spike is becoming one of my favorite directors. Uh, as I've been digging into his filmography, his his style, um, especially once I got a vibe for it, that he he likes to go, um, he's, I, I kind of call him a surrealist realist, where his movies are very much grounded in our world. And then he'll break that at and at moments. In other moments, he'll completely you cement in this is real, this is happening, and then he'll leave that for a minute. And I've grown to really love that. Um, like if you watch his newest film, *The Five Bloods* on Netflix, there are moments where it feels so real and so natural, and then he'll shatter that with the the a direct address to the camera where the character is like looking at you and he's talking to you. And then it'll go back to that realism, and it's it's an artistic style that can definitely make you not like it if it if it's because it's against what you're used to. He's not just, um, but if you watch Spike's movies, you'll see that's his film language. That's how he tells his stories, and I've grown to love that. Um, but again, I can totally see why it might not work for you. And this one in particular, especially if you aren't really versed with Spike, this is a big departure because he's going for this ancient Greek style of uh, theatrical performances which you get a lot in the acting um and while it's not a musical i kind of get the vibe you're not a big theater person in general yeah there were just so many elements about this movie that i did not like and i'm thinking that as well i don't i've only i think seen two plays and i don't really have a i don't really have a drive to go see more i i would love to um, to be honest, like it's, it's not, I have not been to a lot of plays. I used to go more when I was a kid. Like it seemed like my, we have a theater in Winter Haven. Uh, Good um, theater. Right. And we used to go a lot when I was a kid. Like I, I remember seeing several plays there. I like saw Steel Magnolia there. I saw, um, okay, a, I'd probably at see least Steel Magnolias. one or two versions of Greece. You know, I've seen, um, a few things. And then at my college, uh, we had a pretty strong theater program. I actually took a theater class. Uh, thinking it would be an easy A, and it turned out it was a lot of reading, which I don't like. Luckily, most plays have been adapted to film, and I cheated. But nonetheless, um, I I tend to like seeing. I like performance. I like story and performance. So I think it it any version of that is available to me. I will enjoy it in some form. I like cinema 
because I like the ability to uh, visually tell the story more that you can't do in theater because like my point of view is always going to be whatever seat I got where in film I can be everywhere. And I like that a lot. Um, but I still like theater. So um, I've also, because of the years of studying film, I've actively kind of made myself aware of the differences between theater and film acting to uh, try to pull kids into film acting who maybe were more into theater. Um, Cause like there's a lot of opportunities in our little community to be actors, but on stage there are less so for films. So I have to kind of like pull them in and try to convince them that there is uh, you know, a benefit to both. Um, but I'm sorry. Uh, so what else like three off that you didn't care for or, or didn't click? Um, I guess I didn't even like the opening, like <laughs> all, the, I don't know, all the lyrics on the screen, like, I felt like we had already set the tone with the statistics that we had gotten. Um, I didn't like all of the rhyming. Uh, oh, that's, sorry, but that's matching the, the, the stylistic elements of, like, prose play, like Shakespeare and whatnot. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's what I figured it was. Um, I did not like it. Um, and I felt like for the subject matter, the there was just so much about the movie that threw the tone off. I just thought it wasn't taking things seriously, I guess. Um, okay. I, I know, I definitely know Spike is, is very, um, active in the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, mm -hmm. and he's definitely, uh, if you listen, there's a really, uh, short, but good interview with him and Stephen Colbert, uh, when this movie was coming out where he talks about, uh, gun control and gun violence, um, and a need for more gun control. Um, but also points out like that there, you know, he's also aware of that just because there's government mandates and regulations that, um, criminals can still get guns through other means and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think he's taking it lightly. I do think satire, um, you know, requires a little bit of, of effort on our part to try to figure out what, why, why the sense of humor, um, in these, you know, serious scenarios. And I think like, look at Black Klansman, um, which did you see Black Klansman? I did. And liked or disliked? I liked. Okay. So that's a very serious subject, right? But there's a lot of humor in that movie. Um, you know, there's a I lot guess... of little jokes and it's just there. Not to not to say that that makes it where you're always going to click with that. I don't, I'm, your opinion is completely valid. Um, so don't take this as me like, Oh, Corey, you're wrong. I'm just <laughs> trying to, uh, to, you know, um, I guess justify spike. I, I do feel like there's, there seems to be, uh, a consensus amongst the general community of film goers that this movie doesn't do what he's trying to do. Um, I think it does. I don't know if, if it's, uh, I don't. I don't know if it needed to be Chicago, and so getting into that side, I think you could have done this um, set in New York uh, as well. While gang violence has gone down significantly in New York, um, it's still a thing. And again, you can set this movie at any time. He went for something he thought was maybe a real issue, a modern issue that again I didn't know about until watching this movie. And this movie came out five years ago. You know. Well, I think that maybe the place does matter. Um, 
Because doesn't Chicago have some of the strictest gun laws in the United States? Oh, see, there's context again. I, I clearly know very I little could, about I could that. be wrong on that, but I feel like I have read that or had conversations about that before. You know, um, the Colbert interview I mentioned, I think he actually does mention that, but he points out that um, maybe it's another – I can't remember if it was another city in, in Illinois that you can just drive to and the gun laws are significantly less uh, impactful, or it's mm-hmm. a bordering state that you can drive to and get a gun because it's right, it's right there and their gun laws are so simple. Um, so like he's, his point was that it's not, I don't think it's enough for a city to have strong gun laws. You have to have like federal laws. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I did think that some of that stuff that they were bringing up was very interesting. Like that you can go to a gun show and, you know, easily get guns or like, Mm -hmm. there are just so many other methods of getting them with like bypassing all of these laws or, you know. I think that it's a, it's sad, you know, I just feel like the musical aspects, the rhyming for me, and I know it's personal taste. I know this. Mm-hmm. Um, It just didn't work with the subject matter to me. Well, see, I, that to me is like, because especially gangster rap, um, which, you know, was the epitome of, of late eighties, early nineties rap music. Uh, and while it's still it's still prevalent in some rap music, uh, not all rap music connects to gangs, but several s- still do. Um, I, get, I guess more what I mean is when they like break out into song a couple times or they have like all of this choreography, it like doesn't keep me in the story. I just like, like... Um, IMDb does not list this as a musical. It's comedy, crime, drama. Um, but they do have several songs in the movie. Um, so that's it's interesting uh, that it it does seem to have musical elements. I did not think of it as a musical. And as you're sitting here talking about it, I'm like, like, well, maybe it is a musical. There's a I lot of music built into it. thinking that it was a musical. And I can't remember what website I was looking on earlier. It's like crime, drama, musical, or something. And I'm like... That's, you know, I know it happens, but it just seems weird altogether laid out like that. Well, I mean, I've watched enough uh, of everything at this point where not, uh, genre hybrids are, are commonplace. Um, I I don't know. Um, you you don't traditionally like musicals. Uh, Letterboxd also does not list it as a musical, but um, so that that hurts it right away. Um, I like the uh, the unique dialogue in the film. I think it works very well for what he's going for. Um, it did immediately make like make me think Shakespeare. You know where you have this uh, over stylized dialogue and conversation. Um, I like the rhyme. I found it to be very interesting. Um, I've not really. I'm not super familiar with Nick Cannon. Like I know who he is, and I've seen him on a couple things. I I don't think I've seen him star in anything before. Um, so I was a little like. like his persona of being Nick Cannon was superseding his character for me. Um, And I was like, you're not like this. You're not, you're not a thug. Like I can't like, cause that's the the character he's playing is, is like hip hop, you know, the old school, like Tupac style gangster rapper, even though it's modern day, but that's, that's the vibe he's coming off as. And I was just like, you're not like that. Like nothing about you is like that. Like, I don't, you know, um, and, uh, 
and he's feuded with Eminem, not not so much a rap feud, but because of like the Mariah Carey connection and, and whatnot. But so like I, I didn't know him very well. Um, I love Sam Jackson, and I love when he's the. I love that they, Spike made him like the the narrator who's talking to us. Um, thought that was great. Uh, Dave Chappelle, small part, but I think he's very funny in his part. Um, and uh, honestly, the whole the whole idea of the sex strike I found uh, interesting. Um, and you know, a question. I don't know that it would work, but you know. There are um, there are a lot of men who act like if they don't have sex, that their world's gonna end. You know, so if men are the problem, it seemed like a viable like strategy that they the characters in the film employ. Uh, it obviously it goes like in directions that I don't think it would actually happen if it if it were to take place in real life. Um, at least I don't think it would happen the way it happens in the movie, but. Uh, I found it a, an interesting concept again, and that is from the original play. I've I've not again read or seen the play yet, but from my understanding, that is uh, the plot there as well. Um, do you want to get into spoilers? Is there anything you want to talk about? Mm, we, um, I mean, sure. I mean, I mean not necessarily me. I guess I pretty much. That's, it seems like we're, we, I think we've talked extensively about the film, so we don't need to get into spoilers. Um, you know, I, I guess I've technically spoiled a little bit uh, in the sense that I don't know for sure. The plot kicks in a little late. Um, it, it, it starts a little slower. Uh, we get the introduction to Chicago, Chirac, and what's going on there. Um, the, the setup, which um, has a uh, very, like, Montague uh, Capulet-type, Thing. we have the spartans and the trojans which is obviously in ancient greece that is what the iliad's about too um but so shyrak is a spartan and um cyclops is a trojan they're purple and orange i don't know if that's any uh context to actual gangs or uh um if that had any play on the greek obviously in gang war though we know most most iconic bloods and crips right red and blue um mm-hmm. so i don't know if that's why he went orange and purple just to like you know sideline that um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the movie. I totally can understand why someone else may not. Um, I, I, again, have no context of Chicago's, uh, gang violence or their hip hop scene or their gun laws. So, uh, there's a lot of information here that I'm trusting Spike to provide. And it seems like that's controversial and maybe he didn't do the best job according to some native Chicago people. Um, I've only read a couple of reviews so far with that though. So I don't have enough information even to judge that, but um, as a piece of art, I think this is excellent. But again, it is, it's one of those, it's very much, does this mesh with your taste? And if not, it's going to do what it did to Corey and turn you off. Uh, for me, I would say this is not quite golden. Um, not, not a must see. Uh, it's definitely not, I wouldn't put this in the top of Spike's uh, filmography, but I think it is, it deviates from his norm. Um, he hasn't done anything like this before. Uh he does integrate music and hip hop into his stuff quite a bit, but as far as Chirac goes, um, but he has such a strong visual style and such a strong style in general. Like there's some really cool scenes like um, the, uh, let's do real quick spoilers. Uh, Corey, give spoiler warning. Guys from here on out <laughs> for the next five minutes, we're going to talk about this movie in great detail. You've been warned. So the last series of sequences takes place in a, uh, I think it's a gym, right? Like the high school gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the visuals because even when it's going to be a, a sex off, I guess, 
uh, between um, Lestrada and uh, Chirac. And I didn't realize it was going to be a sex up. I thought it was going to be um, whoever gives and caves to have sex loses. But apparently it was whoever was going to finish first loses, I guess. (laughs) Which was not the direction I thought. Um, But when they are like getting ready to fight, you get that Spike Lee shot I was talking about earlier where they're, um, it looks like they're just kind of floating through the area. And then uh, the lights from all the trucks and stuff fade out as they're moving towards. And I, I just, I love his visuals. I think he's got such a cool visual eye. Um, I, I really, really have embraced Spike's uh, filmmaking style. Um, he keeps changing things like in the five bloods he gets into, uh, he uses like real footage sometimes and we'll cut to like documentary footage. He's done a lot of documentaries. I haven't seen any of his docs yet, um, except technically the Kings of comedy. Um, but that's a concert film more than it's a doc. Uh, even though they get classified as the same thing because it is documenting reality. Um, but I, I totally can appreciate someone not liking this, but for me, it, it just, and for most of Spike Lee stuff, uh, they, they tend to work for me. I've not loved every film I've seen of his. I started with um, his, she's got to have it. And that movie was like, it was too indie for me. And it was like super sexual. So I was just like, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really in the mood for this. So I, I only made it like halfway through. I haven't gone back to it yet, but um, you don't usually but, do that. I don't, I was, I was, I told you I've had kind of an off week and it was just, I, I thought it was going to be more of a comedy and I felt it was more oh, of a yeah. dramedy. And I was just like, I don't, I don't care about this movie right now. So I, I dropped it um, mostly because I want to give it my full attention if I'm going to like be, you know, including it in my list of things I've watched. But uh, anyways, um, I like Chirac. I, I say not quite golden. I'm guessing Corey's going not a total waste of time or a void. Not a total waste of time. I was going to say, you better not be a I void. I still don't know. want your hate mail. My hate mail or like people's hate mail? Listeners. <laughs> I think anyone's it, it, actually. General populace seems to be more on your side. Uh, no one thinks it's a bad movie. It seems like with, I mean, obviously there's a few people who think it's a bad movie, but 5.7 is just, they think it's mediocre. Um, I think it's a little more than that because I think it's hard to do what's been done here. I think like writing the prose and uh, doing the heightened performances and all the visuals, I think it's 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 not an easy task to achieve. That's fair. All right. Well, with that, uh, Corey said she thought I was punishing her this week. I'm I'm afraid that you're going to be punishing me next week um, with our Shutter original film. We're going to be watching. <laughs> that's simply called yummy and i think the essential thing here is not the name of the movie but the tagline of the movie oh god what is it oh you don't know it's on the poster um let's oh, see maybe I do. it's uh facelift boob jobs and zombies that's yes <laughs> this might be the perfect amount of camp though but didn't sean recommend this there was a... he did okay and no offense sean but sometimes I really agree with him, and sometimes I really don't. It's like very yeah. polar opposite. Sure. Um. I. I mean, I have found the same thing. Um. Not. Uh. N- not often, but when I disagree with him, it's usually an extreme disagreement. Um. And then we agree on a lot. Uh. But from time to time, the, our sensibilities do not mesh. Um. I, I. I'm not sure about Yummy. Yummy is not not calling to me. Uh. <laughs> right away sorry. But, um, 
this is the the summary is also really long which is never a good sign in my opinion if you can't summarize the, that is ridiculously long um it's like a five paragraph essay no but it's 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 a paragraph and it should be one sentence but uh yummy is an orgy of blood violence and fun in which a young couple travel to a shabby eastern european hospital for plastic surgery i'll stop there um to me that's enough it's a zombie movie apparently i guess i, I don't know um they come back oh man it, it just i this does not look like it's in my wheelhouse at all but oh no. um, yeah sometimes but, he know. we really like stuff that he recommends didn't he tell us about better watch out uh, he did. He did. And thank goodness. Um, and he, he gets my taste. He did not recommend this for me. He recommended this for you, I think. <laughs> so maybe he doesn't uh, get my taste. Maybe. Or like, we don't always or see eye to eye on horror. Like, yeah. You and I have seen eye to eye on some very key horror. But we have not seen eye to eye on all horror. <laughs> like, I feel like if anyone... I don't know. I feel like anyone that's like really hardcore into horror, which I feel like I am, but I feel like I need a story... And some other critical well, things. I don't know why some horror does not work for me. Like, cause I do like silly, bad horror movies. And that's the thing. Some just immediately, I'm like, oh, God. And other times, I'm one over. So I, I hope I love this. Um, it is listed as action comedy horror. Um, it just has to hit the right, the right tone right away for me to get into it. Um, it does have a 6.1 IMDb user score. It does not have a meta score or anything because it is a Shutter original. So I don't think it's had a theatrical run at all. Um, so if you're going to watch Yummy, you're going to need to try Shutter. Uh, it was free for a little bit for like 30 days. I I imagine at this point they've stopped their pandemic deal, but it's um, seven days now though. So so you still get a free trial, and then of course there is it's it's one of the cheaper services. It's only like five bucks a month or something, right? yeah or i think you can pay 50 bucks for the year yeah so if you're a big fan of horror uh we recommend shutter um cory likes it a lot i i enjoy you know having access to it i've not watched a lot from there but um i do love black noir uh which is like the history of um black actors in horror movies and uh i love context like that so i always find things like that to be super interesting but we'll be watching yummy and reviewing it on our next episode of the podcast so <laughs> If you want to give us feedback on your th uh, your opinion of the film, hit us up. Um, you can follow me on social media at Burke Reviews on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Letterbox.com. And Corey? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And she does not ever use her Letterbox. I do not know why. Um, no. If you like what we're doing on this podcast, we ask that you rate and review. It helps other people find us. And until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. Brokerviews.com. <laughs>